This podcast made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. I'm very excited to tell you that we have two guests on the podcast today. Dr. Jeremy Braybrook is a consultant medical oncologist and clinical lead for oncology at University Hospitals Bristol, as well as a senior clinical research fellow at the University of Oxford. Rosie Bradley is a medical statistician in the Clinical Trial Service Unit at the University of Oxford. At the 2021 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, the results of their study on the effectiveness of aromatase inhibitors compared to tamoxifen in premenopausal women diagnosed with early stage hormone receptor positive disease were presented. They join us to talk about the results and what they mean for premenopausal women diagnosed with this type of breast cancer. Dr. Braybrook and Ms. Bradley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. To start, just in case anyone isn't aware, can you explain why tamoxifen is mainly used in premenopausal women and why researchers want to see if aromatase inhibitors can work in women who haven't gone through menopause yet? Of course. Um, tamoxifen and aromatase inhibitors are both considered very effective treatments for hormone receptor positive breast cancer. Um, tamoxifen works well for both pre and postmenopausal women and is what we call a selective estrogen receptor modulator. In postmenopausal women, the ovaries stop producing estrogen and there's a separate pathway called the aromatase pathway that converts other hormones into estrogen. And that's the pathway that aromatase inhibitors target and effectively switch off. The reason aromatase inhibitors on their own therefore don't work in premenopausal women is that most of their estrogen is being produced by the ovaries and the aromatase inhibitors have no effect on the ovaries if they're still functioning. Thank you, thank you. Um, Rosie, could you please summarize the study and the results for us? Of course, so just leading on from what Jeremy said, so on behalf of the Early Breast Cancer Trialist Collaborative Group, we undertook an individual patient level meta-analysis of four trials which randomized between randomized premenopausal women who have ER positive early stage breast cancer and were treated with ovarian suppression, randomized to either AI or tamoxifen. Um, our aim was to investigate whether these premenopausal women treated with ovarian suppression could benefit from aromatase inhibitors. So from these four trials, there were just over 7,000 women the four trials were ABCSG12, TechSoft, and an Italian trial called HOBO. ABCSG12 randomized to three years of treatment, um, where the other trials randomized to five years of treatment. We collected data on baseline characteristics, so tumor characteristics and patient characteristics, date, site of any recurrence and second primary cancers, and date and causes of death. Primary outcomes were time to breast cancer recurrence and all-cause mortality. So from those four trials that we pulled together for our meta-analysis, we had a median follow-up of around eight years. 
the proportional rate of recurrence averaged 20% lower for women allocated to AI compared to moxifen. And the main benefit from AI was seen in those first few years, so years not to four, where the treatments differed. And then there was no further loss of benefit or no further benefit seen in years five to nine, and then very little follow-up beyond year 10. We did see a reduction uh, in distant recurrence um, during the time period, but there was um, no difference in breast cancer mortality or overall survival so far. Thank you. So I, I kind of want to pick up on that last point. So we have, you said about a 20% lower risk of recurrence in women who were treated with an aromatase inhibitor and ovarian suppression compared to women treated with tamoxifen, but we don't have an improvement in overall survival or breast cancer survival. So why do we think this is? So as I mentioned, we've only got around eight years medium follow-up for these trials. Um, and we know to see differences or um, to assess the effects of mortality, we really need longer term follow-up. Um, so we are seeing that difference in distant recurrence so far. So we would expect that to translate into effect on breast cancer mortality. But as I stress that we really need that longer term follow-up to fully assess the effects. Okay, thank you. Now, there was a study that was published by the Journal of the National Cancer Institute um, just last month in November, and it showed that early stage hormone receptor positive disease could indeed come back 10 to 30, and I think even longer than 30 years, I think there was one 32-year recurrence after diagnosis. So, Dr. Braybrook, would you mind putting your study sort of in the context of that study? How did, what does that mean? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the study you refer to was the large Danish registry study. And I think it's been known for some time that there is a long-term risk of late recurrences for people with hormone receptor positive breast cancer, um, including some work that our group published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2017, one of my colleagues, Hong Chao Pan, did a very large analysis showing that after five years of endocrine treatment, there was a steady and continued risk of breast cancer recurrence, even out to 20 years. And this Danish registry study certainly builds on that and shows that for some people, that risk seems to carry on as you say, even out to 30 years and potentially beyond. And it's one of the puzzles with hormone receptor positive breast cancers, what's happening during that very extended period of time and why do cells suddenly reactivate? And the presumption is that it is a reactivation of dormant cells. Where we put that into the context of this study is quite complicated because this study was looking at five years, maximum of five years, of endocrine treatment within the randomizations. And all the people were randomized to tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitors and ovarian function suppression. What we know from other analyses is that actually extending endocrine treatment beyond five years seems to give additional benefit. But of course, that then needs to be balanced against risk and against side effects. And what both the New England Journal study and the recent JNCI study have shown is that the risk does seem to relate to your stage of cancer at the time of initial diagnosis. So even many years later, that risk seems to be greater 
if you have a bigger tumour, if you have more heavily no positive disease. So that's probably where it starts to influence our earlier decision making as to which treatment may be the best for each individual patient. Sorry, that's quite a long, complicated answer. No, no, that's fine, because I know, um, you know, our site is primarily aimed at people who've been diagnosed as well as their caregivers. And sometimes the results make the headlines and, and they seem to be conflicting or, you know, they don't make sense together. So I'm, I'm grateful to you for explaining that together so that people can understand. Um, I also do want to pick up on what you said about side effects. So we know that aromatase inhibitors can cause joint pain, dramatically decrease quality of life for some people who take them. I believe I saw a study that said that about 26% of people prescribe them, stop taking them early because of side effects. So given all that, and given that we don't have an improvement in overall survival yet, can we say yet whether it's worth it or is it an individual situation where each woman has to kind of balance the side effects versus the reduction in risk, the reduction in risk of distant recurrence, but kind of knowing maybe there's no overall survival benefit? I think as Rosie said, it probably is too early to know whether there is an overall survival benefit or not. And we've seen in many other trials of hormone treatment that actually you do need the 10, 15 year plus follow up before you see a change in overall survival. And I think the fact that we're seeing a difference in distant recurrence, we would expect that to translate into an overall survival difference. But what that absolute value will be, we don't know. I think it's really important the concept of the side effects and how people manage that. These are long term treatments, people are taking them for at least five years probably 10 years, and therefore they've got to be manageable so that they can get on with their lives and hopefully not be too debilitated by the side effects. And all endocrine treatment has side effects, and there's a great deal of individual variation in how people tolerate those endocrine treatments, both in terms of tamoxifen and aromatase inhibitors, and the side effects can vary between those different drugs. And it's the balance of those day-to-day -day side effects but also perhaps some of the difference in longer term risk. So we know that, for example, aromatase inhibitors are more associated with osteoporosis and an increased risk of bone fractures, whereas long term use of tamoxifen can be more associated with risk of uterine cancers. So we have to balance those up. And it does become very much an individual discussion between the physicians and the patients. Within the context of our study, I think it's particularly important for premenopausal pre women what the effect of ovarian suppression has on them and their day-to-day -day function as well, because you're inducing a rapid early menopause, often in very young women with a long life expectancy ahead of them. And certainly as a clinician, I spend a lot of my time having those conversations and those discussions, trying to balance up potentially the most effective treatment but also with something that's manageable. And different women will have different perceptions of what's most important to them. And absolutely, we have to consider that as well in those discussions. 
Okay, thank you. Now, have the results of this study, of your study, have they changed at all how you talk to your patients about this? Has it given you any new insights or any new sort of options? I think what our study has done is built on the evidence that was already there. So the four trials that we've pulled in this meta-analysis have all previously been published and um, we have results from those. But sometimes with individual trials, it can be quite confusing to be what the clear message is. And sometimes those individual trials will show conflicting results. So I think for me, this analysis helps me with those conversations with my premenopausal patients. So those who we think are at high enough a risk to consider ovarian function suppression in place of something such as just tamoxifen on its own, then having the conversation, well, if we're going to do ovarian function suppression, is that better combined with an aromatase inhibitor rather than tamoxifen? And I think this study shows that, yes, that probably is true, but also not to underplay the fact that people will get significant benefit if they had ovarian suppression with tamoxifen, and many people will get very good benefit from tamoxifen on its own. So you sometimes have to sort of think carefully and try the different treatments and see what impact that has on each individual woman and, and look at what ways you can try and offset some of the side effects and how to make it manageable. Dr. Braybrook, Rosie, thank you both so much for uh, joining us today and explaining this study. It's been very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.